Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We have to be careful about the friends that we choose. And it's important for us to be um, around people that are going to help us to be the kind of person that we want to be. Y'all understand that? Now, somebody told the story. Actually, I looked this up because I was curious about uh, uh, the, the saying that says, uh, you know, that um, we have to be careful of the, fr- of the friends that we choose, the people that we pick, or the people we hang around with. And actually, there was a saying that was taken from Aesop's fables. And this, this guy wanted to buy a donkey. And so in order to get the donkey that he wanted, uh, he, he went to a person that sold some donkeys, and, and, and they picked one out for him. They said, well, I'll tell you what. Put the donkey back in with the rest of the donkeys, and I just want to observe him. So they put the donkey back with the rest of the donkeys, and so the donkey kind of meanders around a little bit. And so then he goes over to the fattest, laziest donkey in the whole group, started hanging out with it eating just like the other one ate, doing the things that the other ate. And, and the next thing you know, this donkey is acting just like that one. So when, they, when, he, when the owners of the donkeys came back and said, you ready to take your donkey? He said, I don't want it. They said, why? He said, because he's come just like his friends. And I don't want him anymore because he's no, no, of no benefit or value to me. And if we're going to be valuable in the kingdom of God, then we have to hang around people that are going to help build us up. I, I look at, at Daniel... And, 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 you know, we're, we're doing a series on Be Like Daniel, Like Daniel. That's the name of the, of the series that we're doing. And, and chapter 3, you know, when I was looking at chapter 3, I was thinking, Lord, you know, how, how, how was Daniel involved in this, this story? Because really, he's not even mentioned in the whole chapter. But one thing that stood out to me was Daniel was a close friend of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they were brought to Babylon. They were captured in, in, in Jerusalem and, and, and brought to Babylon. And, and the Babylonians saw them. There were like a thousand of them. And of the thousand, these four stood out among all the rest of their peers. They stood out because they were men of impeccable character. They were wiser than all of their friends. I mean, these guys had it together. They were good, strong, good-looking guys. But more than that, they had character. And the king saw that. So they took these guys and they changed their names or they, and, and, and tried to make them like they were, you know, and tried to make them worship their gods. And so... Um, they, they tried to educate them according to the Babylonians, you know, so they, you know, they never uh, resisted what the king was trying to do or anything else. They were very respectful to the king and all these things. But one thing that they would not do was when the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, had this idea because Daniel, remember last week I shared with you, uh, be like Daniel, see like Daniel. God gave him perspective on things through the Holy Spirit, through, through his godliness and his example. And when Daniel needed to hear from God, what did he do? He went to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he said, pray with me. And so they prayed with him. God gave him not only the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, but he also gave him the dream, what Nebuchadnezzar was seeing in his dreams. So Daniel interpreted what Nebuchadnezzar saw. And in chapter two, we'll see that, that he said that there was a, a, a statue of a man. He saw this, this, this uh, likeness of a man and, and it had a golden head. 
It had a silver chest and, and its mid parts were, were bronze and its legs were iron and his feet were iron mixed with clay. And he, did, he couldn't understand what that represented. So Daniel began to share with him. He said, the head is you, Nebuchadnezzar, because God has put all the kingdoms of the earth under you. And there's no one like you. There's nobody like you that God has raised up. And it's God who raises up. It's God who puts down. So understand, Nebuchadnezzar, that God has put you in this position. But there's a kingdom coming after you, the Medes and the Persians, which is silver. It's not quite as strong as you, but yet... Your kingdom's going down and there's going to be another one established to take its place. And then after that, there's going to be another kingdom that arises up of bronze, which is, the, which is Greece, the Greek empire. And, and then after that, there's going to be another kingdom because they're going to fall and another kingdom's going to rise up. It's going to be like a kingdom of iron. And that will be the Roman empire. And then its feet are like clay mixed with iron because, you know, it, it's, it's impure, and Rome was brought together and it was collective. It's kind of like America's tried to become these days. Well, we have a hodgepodge of all these different religions and everything else that we're trying to put in the melting pot and it just doesn't mix. Just doesn't mix. And so, and then he said, I saw a, a, a rock, a huge stone that came out of nowhere and it crushed the feet of the idol and the idol fell. It just fell apart. And Nebuchadnezzar, he says, he says, that, you know, is to come. That's in the last, that's Jesus, that rock that killed, that crumbled all the rest of the empires. Remember, the Roman Empire has fallen. It no longer, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a movement today to try to resurrect the Roman Empire, to bring, about, bring that back around again. I mean, not, not in the Roman Empire as historic Roman Empire, but the spirit of the Roman Empire, that collective hodgepodge, one world, one group coming together. But we, it's not going to stand. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and, and Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, Daniel, there's no God like yours. There's no God like yours. And he, he says, you know, we're going to, I don't want anybody speaking out against Daniel's God because he's an awesome God. He's a powerful God and all that stuff. And so, you know, later on, we'll get to another, another story concerning that because Nebuchadnezzar forgets. He forgets that vision. We'll see that later. But Nebuchadnezzar, soon after he got this vision, at first he was, he was, it was frightful to him. Once he got the vision and the inter- interpretation of it, then he understood that there was nobody like him. Man. And I don't know if that just went to his head or what. So then we see Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this 90-foot idol to himself. It was nine foot wide, 90 feet tall, and it was made of gold. Can you imagine? And he set it up on the plains of Musa, and he says, he said, I want everybody to come out, and or was it Susa or Musa, whatever it was. He said, I want everybody, he said, what I want to happen is I'm, I'm going to have all the musicians in this whole province to play. They're going to be, you know, zithers and lyres and hithers and thithers. I don't know what all kind of instruments they had, all, of, all the instruments that they had at the time, the tambourines and the cymbals, and they were going to, they're going to make music. When you hear the music, everybody must bow down and worship the idol that I have set up. So they sent the word out through all the province. They sent heralds out and says, you know, the king has established a statue and, and everybody's to come and, and we're going to play music. And when you hear the music, everybody in the whole province is to bow down and worship. So they did. You know, they got the band together. One, two, three, 
hmm, now all this music, da, 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 da. I don't know what kind of notes they were singing. I don't know what song they sang. I just know that there was all this music. And then when they, when they did it, all these people fell down and they worshiped this idol of gold. Except there were three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that didn't bow. And when you know there's a bunch of rats that were watching them, and so they go back and they tell the king, do you realize there's some, some Hebrews in the kingdom that when they heard the music, they did not bow down and worship your idol? And the king is furious. He says, who were they? Who were they? Oh, it was none other than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, bring them to me. So they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the king. And he said, I want to know something, guys. You know, I've trusted you with everything here. I've, I've made you rulers in, in my kingdom. You, you have certain provinces that are under you. I want to know something. Is it true that when we played the music, and you got the message, right? Yeah, we got the message. You didn't bow down. Why? They said, oh, king. And they were very respectful. There's only one God that we're going to bow down to. And it's not going to be your idol. It's not going to be your golden idol that you set up for yourself. I mean, they were very respectful. And the king said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you one more chance, okay? I'm going to give you one more chance. So he sent out a, another message. He said, we're going, to, we're going to play the song again. And when you hear the song, it was probably How Great Thou Art. <laughs> another version, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know how it went, you know, but might have had a beat to it or something. But anyway, they, they, they played the song. And once again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right before the king, they would not bow down. They wouldn't bend a knee. I mean, they just, they were stoic. And they probably had their hands raised to God. I don't know. I don't know what their posture was, but I know that it really infuriated the king. King Nebuchadnezzar got so angry. As they said, he was furious. He was furious. And so immediately he commanded them to be bound and to be cast into a fiery furnace. And he commanded that the fiery furnace be heated up seven times hotter than it was before. I don't know how you can get that. I mean, that's hot, bro. And so they set this, they, they, they heated it up and they took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they, they threw them in with their turbans and their, their cloaks and everything that they had. I mean, they were fully clothed and they, and they took them and, and they, they got to the entrance of this thing and the soldiers, when they got close enough to throw them in, they threw them in and, the, and it says that the heat was so intense that it killed the ones who threw them in. So King, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, he couldn't get up close to the furnace, but he got as close as he could. I guess he was waiting to hear some screaming or something, but he didn't hear nothing. And so he starts calling out, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, has your God that you serve been able to save you? But before that, as he was looking in, he, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. Did we not throw three men bound into the fire? And yet I see a fourth man in the fire and his appearance is like the son of God. Can it be? 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had made it known to the king, says, whatever you tell us to do, you know, that whatever you do, you do. I mean, we, we trust our God, and if we perish, we perish. But we want you to know that our God is able to save you from your hand, save us from your hand. And so you make your choice, you do what you want to do, but we're not going to bow down to your God at all. They made their decision. They were thrown into the fire, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, come on out, boys. So when they came out, they came out and they walked up and immediately they all gathered around and started inspecting them. And they're looking at them and they're looking at their hair. Not even a hair is singed. They're smelling them. You smell good, honey. It didn't smell like smoke. I mean, even their clothes, they weren't burned. The only thing that was burned were the things that they bound them up with when they threw them into the fire. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around in the fire. Wow. I got to thinking about that. I'm thinking about Daniel and the friends that he kept. I'm thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they stood together. A threefold cord is not easily broken. They stood together facing the fiery furnace. They knew what was before them. They knew that it could mean certain death, but they were willing to die rather than to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's gods. They were strong in that. They stood together. And what about Daniel? I don't know where Daniel was. The Bible's not clear. I I do know this, though, that if Daniel would have been with them, he'd have stood right with them. They would have been the fifth man in the fire. Because they all had the same impeccable character. They were men of God. They knew God. And they would not bow down to any other gods. And we'll see later on that Daniel had the same character in him that these guys had. That's what stood out to me, that Daniel knew how to pick his friends. You know, you pick your friends. And you, and you, and you, you, you walk together. You, you live together. And you want friends that are going to be with you through trying times. You don't want friends that are going to flake out on you when you need them really bad. You got to be careful of the friends that you choose. So in Proverbs 18, 24, there's a verse of scripture that stood out to me. And I don't know exactly what the King James Bible says. I never could really understand it until one day I read it in the New Living Translation. And when I did, it just jumped off the pages at me. And says something like this, there are friends, and I noticed there were quotation marks. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And I'm thinking about that. There are friends, and I'm thinking, well, if there are friends, what that's saying is that these are pseudo friends. You know what I'm saying? These are, these are pretend friends. They pretend to be your friend to either get what they want out of you, to get information out of you, to, to maybe uh, have an influence in your life or whatever. But we need to have friends that are going to help us to stand in times of trouble. We need to have friends that are going to walk with us through the fire. When things get fired, they're not going to turn tail and run. They're going to go with you. I want friends that would charge hell with me with a water pistol. Amen. I want friends like Richard. Come up here, Richard. Come up here, brother. You see what kind of friend this guy is? Y'all see this? This is a friend. This is a friend. Yeah. You all right, brother? Richard, my man. 
Got good taste in shirts, dude. We want a friend that's going to stick with us. You know, the Amplified Bible says it this way. The Amplified Bible says in that verse of Scripture, says, the man of many friends, and it's got in a little quote, or little parentheses, a friend of all the world will prove himself a bad friend. Now, that's a, that's a loose, loose association that calls you a friend. You know what I'm saying? How many got loose, loosely associated friends? I mean, you see them and it's like, hey, friend, how you doing? You know, hey, you hadn't seen them in six months. But, hey, how you doing? You know, these are kind of loosely associated. These are not true friends that are going to walk through the fire with you. Because they got, they got no skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? They're just like, you know, you got the NFL. Just to use an example, you got what, 28 teams or 30 teams? I don't know how many teams they got now. They keep adding to it. But how many of them there are? 32 teams? That's more, where have I been? But of all these teams, you know, there's a loose association among all those teams, right? And some guys will go over to, to, to whatever team will pay them the most money. But one thing that I noticed, you know, like for instance, there's one particular player that's been with the Carolina Panthers by the name of Thomas Davis Sr. Anybody familiar with that name? You know, he's, what, a four- or five-time all-pro player. But the thing about Thomas is that he has had three surgeries on the same knee and had it surgically repaired. And each injury that he's had to that knee should have ended his career. But through prayer and the miracles of God in medicine, they were able to repair that knee And they've had to do it, you know, not once, not twice, but three times. And his team has stood with him. The owner, the coaches have stood with Thomas Davis and they've kept him on the team even though he suffered these horrific injuries. Most other teams would have probably kicked him to the curb after the first one, but they have believed in him. Other teams, after he has recovered, and made all pro several times and played in the Pro Bowl and just been a beast on the field. Other teams have tried to come and purchase his services and he told them no thanks. You know why? Because he's had some friends that have stood with him. These other guys would call themselves friends, but he knows who his real friends are. They're the ones who've walked through the fire with him. They're the ones who've been tested with him. Those are the ones who've been patient with him. They've encouraged him. You know, they've, they've been his main cheerleaders getting behind him. Come on, Thomas, you can do it, man. You can do it. And, and they've given him opportunity. I want friends like that around me, you know. And, and the church is like a team. And we need to be that way with each other. We need to be more than just loosely associated friends. We need to be friends that will stick closer than a brother, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those that will go through the fire. And some of you have gone through the fire with Becky and I. And I, I want to say this morning with, from the depths of my heart how grateful we are to you, that you have been willing and you have believed in us and you have walked with us through the fire and, and you have watched and you have seen that even though we've gone through the fire, I may have lost a few hairs, but none of them have been singed. There have been times that I've smelled bad, but it was because of sweat, not because of the fire. But you know what I'm saying? We've stood together. 
we stood together while others have stood back and said, you know, will their God deliver them? Will their God bring them through this trial? Will their God help them? God's always been faithful. I want you to know that he's been more than faithful. He always is. He's always faithful. Amen. We have to choose our friends wisely. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses, verse 33 says this in the New Living Translation. And basically the context of this is that there were people that Paul was, was talking about who believed there was no resurrection. And they were preaching that either there was no resurrection or the resurrection is already passed. And Paul says, if there's no resurrection from the dead and if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we're all, we were, we've lost hope. We might as well just eat and live and drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. I mean, it's over. But he says, don't listen to those people. Choose your friends wisely. As a matter of fact, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, he says that bad company corrupts good character. One version says bad company corrupts good morals or bad communication corrupts good morals. So we see that if we hang around the wrong people, if we're getting the wrong information from our friends, it's either going to help us, it's going to harm us, it's going to enable us or it's going to destroy us. So we need to be careful about the friends that we keep. And we can, only, we can safely assume that, that the band of Hebrew brothers and Daniel, they spent a lot of time encouraging each other when they were being broken down by their captors. Daniel called on them when they needed prayer support and when they stood together and when they were facing the fire. We all need friends like that. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm glad to know that no matter when, I, when any of my friends, even most, most closest associates, should ever leave me or betray me or whatever else, I know I got one friend that's true. You can always count on. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. As a matter of fact, Jesus said something about that. I believe in John. He said, you know, there, there, you know, there, there are many friends, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and, and I want that kind of friendship and relationship with people that we have that, that intensity of relationship that in the spirit that we, we want to stand together. So we got to be cautious about the relationships that we're building. We, we, we relate differently to different kinds of people. How many know that? I mean, if I walk into the grocery store and I see the cashier, I'll say, hi, how are you doing? And she asks me, how are you doing? You know what I always say? What I say? I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. I love to say that. It just blows them away. I had one lady, I mean, uh, this, this, this sweet lady, she was behind the counter. When I said that, she just broke out to dance. Wow! <laughs> I love it! So she said, would you write that down for me? So I wrote it down, you know, but. But there, John Maxwell says in Success 101, he says, there are four kinds of people when it comes to relationships. Four kinds. You might want to write these down. Four kinds of people when it comes to relationships. Number one, he said, some people add something to your life. He says, we enjoy them. You know, don't, don't you like it when somebody adds value to your life? I, I look around at all of you and you all add value to my life and I enjoy being around you I mean I'd rather be here than anybody anywhere else I'd rather be with you folks than to be at Carowinds or the Bahamas or anywhere I and mean, there's nobody like you 
when I'm away on a mission trip, I can't wait to get back home to be around my peeps. You know what I'm saying? I love you guys, man. So I enjoy you. Number two, there's some people who subtract something from life. We tolerate them. (laughs) We tolerate them. We love them, you know. But I think someone said there are movers and shakers, givers and takers. And I want to be around the movers and shakers. I want to be around the givers. And I realize there are those that are takers. But I want to be like Jesus and be willing to give. I tolerate that because, because of love. But do I really enjoy it? Do you? Do you? And if you're always doing and you're never, you know, seeing any residuals from your giving, if you're making deposits, it's like going to the bank and you're putting your money in the bank. And when you go to make a withdrawal, you find that there's none there. How many would be happy about that? Well, I thought I put $5,000 in this bank. I got the receipts here to show it and everything. Well, I'm sorry. There's nothing left, I mean. You made your deposits, but... Okay. So what happened to it? Somebody took it. (laughs) Number three. Some people multiply something in life. We value them. Wow. Wow. You know, I've got friends in this room that I have known for years. And you know who you are. I mean, I'm talking decades. Not just a few years. I'm talking decades here. And one thing that I know about you, the things that you have added to our lives, Becky and our lives, are richer because we know you. Because of our relationship with you. We are richer. You have multiplied into our lives. You have sown into our lives so much and it's been in multiplicity, not just adding to our lives. It's been an increase in our life because we have known you and it just made our lives richer. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just love that. And then number four, some people divide something in life. So we avoid them. Now, Paul told Titus in Titus chapter three, he said, you know, that of the divisive man, he said, warn them the first and second. If there's a divisive man among you, warn them the first and second. And then after the second time, after the second admonition, he says, have nothing else to do with them. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? That sounds really harsh that we would cut people off out of our lives and we would have nothing to do with them. Now, I'm going to say something to you this morning. You say, well, you know, what did I get out of the service this morning? Well, the pastor told me there's some people in my life I just needed to cut out of my life. That's all I got. But you know what? I'm going to say it. There are some people in your life you need to cut out of your life. They're toxic. They're not adding value to your life. They're constantly making withdrawals from your life. They're subtracting from you. They're not helping you. Now, am I telling you that that you should seek to destroy them? No, I'm just saying walk away from them. Walk away from them. Have nothing to do with them, especially those that are being divisive. And I tell you, the worst kind of divisiveness is this. The Bible says in Proverbs that a gossip separates friends. Wow. A gossip separates friends. And he also says in Proverbs, says where there's no wood the fire goes out. Where there's no gossip, there's soon no division. Because words are so powerful. 
And if we use those words in a negative sense and divide people, that, that you know, you're going to be held accountable for that. Because the Bible also says in Proverbs, I believe it's in Proverbs chapter 30 to about verse 6, that there are seven kinds of people that God hates. One of those is someone who separates people, a divisive individual. Okay, I'm going to move on from that. I think you got the picture. We need to, to, to pick, pick our friends carefully. So Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were men of outstanding character. They were confident in, in their ability to God to save them, while at the same time, they were courteous to the king. They were willing, they were totally willing to face death rather than to bow down to the demands of King Nebuchadnezzar. Any one of the three could have bailed at any moment, but they stood together. So we need to be strong together. Everybody say strong together. Strong together. together. There's so much more strength when we stand together. One shall put to flight a thousand. Two shall put to flight 10,000. But when we stand together as a body of believers, the gates of hell itself shall not prevail against the church. And God has called us to be that cohesive unit, a body of believers. And the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we are like a body that is joined together, that each joint effectively supplies the need of the other. And the Holy Spirit is the one who places us in the body so that we can do our part, so that we minister to the needs of the other. So that when one person is suffering, guess what? The whole body suffers with them. When one person is rejoicing, guess what? The whole body rejoices with them. So when we celebrate victories together, we celebrate together. Yeah, together. Amen. We can do it. Amen. My wife and I were watching the, the uh, Olympics the other night. And, and there's, there's one team sport that they do in track and field called the relay, the 400-meter relay. Anybody see that? And our American team athletically, individually, were very strong. But they have not been able to win the gold in what, something like 12 or 14 years. Last year, we had the strongest team in the Olympics. But something happened on the way to the goal. What happened was when they were getting ready to pass the baton, there was a fumble with the baton and they dropped the baton, which disqualified them really hurt them, cut them to the core. So they practiced really, 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 really hard and they vowed that they would not make the same mistake twice. So they practiced handing off the relay. They practiced, they practiced, they practiced. So when they got ready to run the other night, they ran the race and they meddled in the race, though they didn't get the goal because of one certain little Jamaican guy <laughs> who just mopped up this year. But anyway... By the way, he's a strong Christian believer. This is awesome. And he said he was going to use his platform to tell about Jesus, and I love that. Was it Usain Bolt? But, he, but he, he ran with the Jamaican team, and the Jamaican team won. And the Chinese team came in second, which was like a photo finish. So the Americans ended up with the bronze, and everybody's celebrating. So the Americans run to get their flag, only to find that, again, they've been disqualified. And it was heartbreaking. The whole team was just devastated because they worked so hard together as a team. But you know what they vowed to do? They vowed to stick together and do it again. That's a team. They didn't blame it on the other guy. You know, it was his fault. He's the one who got us disqualified. They didn't point fingers at him saying, you know, we're going to kick him off the team, get somebody else. 
But they said, I'm going to try again. And I love that kind of attitude. Even though they failed this time, they didn't get the gold. There's another opportunity for them. We, folks, have to do the same thing. We have to keep moving forward with the same objectives. And if we continue long enough, eventually we're going to win. Amen? We need each other. We need to be friends like with, with each other. And, and, and we need to be the kind of friends that Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. We need friends like that. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, Paul says this. And this is one of the ways you can be sure that you're going to have the kind of friendships that endure. He says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't you just love it when people pretend to love you? You know what I'm talking about? We live here in the good old south. We're taught to be polite and lie like a dog. You walk up to somebody you don't know, or they walk up to you and you know they don't like you. You know, you know because you know you've heard stuff they've said and 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 you've you've authenticated the reports and everything else. But they walk up to you, and when they walk up to you, they put this nice smile on you. It's almost like they're like. Hi, how are you? You know what I'm saying? And you just, you just almost want to Holy Ghost slap them. Be scriptural. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. But you don't. You refrain. Because you realize that there are friends and then there are friends that stick closer to together. Closer than a brother. There are those in your life that are friends, but then there are those who stick closer than a brother. They're going to go through the fire with you. That's the kind of friends that we need to be around. And we need to not just pretend that we love each other. And, and the Bible says again in, in, in verse 9, it says, really love them. Don't to pretend to just love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. Everybody say genuine affection. A genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. You know, we are, we are working hard to establish a set of core values for our church. We have, we have gone back and we have reassessed where we are and where God wants us to be. And, and so we are writing out, we're putting it on paper, core values for Destiny City. What it is that we believe about what God has called us to do, who we are as a church. One of those things is being a culture of honor, that we honor one another. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, he says, honor one another and esteem each other higher or better than yourselves. That's putting others before ourselves. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because, you know, naturally, we're just naturally selfish. We want, you know, we want to seek the high places. We want to, you know, we want the honor. But rather, we're an honor people. We're called to honor other people. You know, that's one of the things that, that I thought about. We were talking about this yesterday morning in our men's meeting, in our, 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 our meeting, our men meeting. And, and someone brought up the fact that, that when Jesus met with his disciples to share the Passover with them just before he was crucified, and Judas was in the room. And, and, and Jesus went around. What did he do? You know, after they had eaten and, and these things, Jesus took off his, his, his outer garments and he 
wrapped a towel around his waist, and he took on the form of a servant, and he gets down, and he takes a, a, a basin of water, and he begins to wash their feet. You know whose feet got washed along with the other disciples? The one who betrayed him. Jesus, or Judas, he was the one that betrayed Jesus. And he washed his feet too. And I thought about that. He didn't exclude him. He didn't say, all right, Judas, we know who you are, you pervert, get out of here. I'm gonna wash everybody else's feet. No, he washed his feet too. He washed his feet. So he honored him above himself. He showed us to honor people. So we're, we're to be a culture of honor and honor each other. We want our friendships to be, be true. And like Daniel, we need to choose our friends carefully. I'm going to give you one last scripture, and then we're going to close this thing out. Like Daniel, we need to take a look around us and see who we're associating ourselves with. And Paul gives it to us in the New Testament uh, perspective like this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, you should know this by now. If you don't, I'm going to help you, okay? Here we go. So don't team up with unbelievers, Okay? Let that sink in for just a second. Don't team up with unbelievers. What are unbelievers? Come on, somebody help me. What are unbelievers? Not just people that don't believe in Jesus, but people who are divisive in their theology as much as unbelievers. Because some people will spend their time arguing with you and trying to tear you down and break you down in what you believe. And get you try to, to try to get you to believe what they believe. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses show up at my door one morning. They come to my door and I said, listen, I really don't want to care what, I don't care to, to hear what you've got to say because your teaching is so full of errors, it's so full of holes, it wouldn't hold up in a rain bucket. And they're like, oh, uh, 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 excuse me? So the next week they send some elders out to try to debate with me over the scriptures. So they came and they brought their Bible. So I went and got my Bible. I said, let's just compare notes. And as we're reading, there are certain things that stood out that was in total error to what the Bible says and the actuality and, 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 and the truth of God's word, especially in John chapter 16 when it talks about the Holy Spirit. And the teaching that they were trying to impress upon me, the Holy Spirit is just a force in the earth. He's not the third person of the Godhead, but he's a force that the Holy Spirit is not a he. It is a force in the world. I'm like, no, it says right here. And, and every time you see the word spirit, it's capitalized. It says he's a person. It talks about him. And they said, no, that, that, when that which has come, you know, when that which has come. But it says right below that, that he shall guide you in all truth. So, you know, we stood there back and forth, back and forth for a while. And I finally just told him, said, look, it's clear that nobody's going to win this argument because you believe what I, you believe and I believe what I believe. So I'm going to kindly excuse you from my door and ask you to leave. And I'll just go about my business because you are certainly not going to convince me to believe what you believe. And I know you don't believe in hell. And I'm afraid for you, you're going to find out in the wrong way that it does exist. And you believe in heaven, but only 144,000 are going to get there and they've already been chosen. So I don't know why you're even doing this. So anyway, 
So we don't team, team up with unbelievers. So how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? Ask yourself that question. How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Say that with me. We are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them from the Lord, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. So we have a tendency to slowly become like the people we associate with. In Proverbs chapter 12 or chapter 13, verse 20 says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Like it so far? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Because that's what fools do. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I remember one time, folks, and I'm going to tell you this. uh, I've been in jail one time in my life. When I was a, about a 17 or 18-year-old rebel, rebellious kid, I mean, you could tell me anything. I was kind of like one of those, you know, you've heard the definition or the last words of a redneck. You know, hey, y'all, watch this. I was kind of like that, you know. Somebody dared me to do something, I'd do it, you know. Eat that rock, okay. But we were at, at, at the city park in Salisbury in some guys asked me and another guy if we want to go party with them. I was a party animal. Hey, party! So we piled in this van and we went out kind of into the suburbs. I thought we were going to the country. That's how dumb I was. You know, we just kind of the edge of the city limits. And, and we disappeared behind this house and went down to this, this little patch of woods. And we get down there. We all get out. We walk in. They get in this circle and they're all sitting around and there's a couple of logs around this thing. And they lit a fire and Next thing you know, they started bringing out these big bags, these big grocery bags, and gallons of contact cement like you used to put down carpet. They started pouring it in these bags and sticking their head in the bags. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm sitting there with them. I'm thinking, should I sit here with these idiots or get up and leave? You know? But about that time, I hear this, kapow, freeze. Uh-oh, it's too late. All of a sudden, I see a guy step out with a gun in his hand and a flashlight and a badge. I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. And he had already called reinforcements, and they all came, gathered us up, and carted us off to jail. And I'm sitting in the jailhouse thinking, what have I done? (laughs) You know, I was 17 years old, acting like an idiot with a bunch of fools, and ended up in jail. (laughs) I'm sure all those guys, and I know a lot of those guys now, we we were all young and dumb. And we did a lot of foolish things. But I wish I would have spent my time with people that were more studious, that were after something in life, going hard after something in life, had goals set for themselves. I wish I would have hung around with people like that, but I didn't. I hung around with people that got me in trouble. And that little stain on my record has stuck with me over the years. I don't go around bragging about it. You know, I'm not happy or excited about it, but that was my story. I mean... Other than that, I never went to jail again. I mean, I learned my lesson. I won't go to jail. It's not comfortable in there. 
you know, you go to the bathroom, everybody watches. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to go to jail. You don't want to go there, believe me. So I learned something from that, but I didn't learn soon enough. So when I became a believer, I needed people around me that would help me grow in my faith in the Lord. So I tried to surround myself with those kind of people that would build me up and help me to become discipled. I still love those people that I associated with before I came to know Christ. I didn't just, you know, forget all about them. I prayed for these guys. And I want to stand up here today and tell you that a lot of the people that I hung around with when I was an unbeliever have come to know Jesus. They love the Lord. And my, my sister can tell you, you know, it was, it was kind of a difficult thing to get me to turn, but God is able. But God turned it around and, and he turned a lot of their lives around. So uh, they became pretty much my circle of friends, and we grew together in the things of the Lord. We encouraged each other. So we need to, we need to, to find people that are going to help us to grow. So we see the outcome of, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went through the fire. They were thrown into the fire, the clothes and all. The, the fire destroyed the guards that threw them. King Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, didn't we throw three men in the fire? But now I see four men walking in the fire unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a god. So Nebuchadnezzar called them out. And, and once he called them out, this is the thing that stood out to me about this passage of Scripture. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged their God and said, if anybody says anything about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God because I've seen his power, they're going to be thrown into the fire themselves. And then he, he did something else. It says, then they were promoted to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. You want to know how to get promoted in the kingdom of God? Just walk through the fire. Just walk through the fire. Let God change your character from within. Because that's what fire does, isn't it? It purifies. It causes us to grow. It causes us to become more like Jesus. And that's what God's after. And he's looking to promote you in the kingdom of God. The way to greatness in the kingdom of God, we know, is to humble ourselves before the Lord. And in due time, he will exalt us. So... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Actually, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. Daniel's friends. So be like Daniel in choosing your friends. Be like Daniel. Be a man of character. Be like Daniel and see like Daniel. Be a person who's seeking after God and seeking answers from God. And be like Daniel and choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. Find those that are going to add value to your life. Does that make sense? Amen. I mean, this is a shouting message, you know. I mean, you can say amen. You can praise the Lord. Because we all got friends like that. I got friends right here that are like that, right? This is my fishing buddy. Amen. Yeah, that's right, baby. We go get them. We go get them. Yes, sir. I, I, I need good fishing friends. I got musician friends. I got, I got other kinds of friends. I got all kinds of friends. But I got friends that I know are going to stick with me. They're going to go with me through the fire. I got other kinds of friends, too. I got a, loose, a lot of loosely associated friends, but I don't spend a lot of time in their presence. I try to spend my time with those who are going to add value to our lives. Amen? You need to do the same thing. That's why the Bible instructs us to forsake not the assembling together of yourselves and encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching. That's what this body of believers is all about. Friends. Friends.
I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're my friend. I'm glad I know you. I'm glad I know you. Amen. I love it. Well, Father, we're just so thankful that we not only have friends in each other, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have a friend that walks with us all time in the person of the Holy Spirit, that guides us in all truth. He's a parakletos who comes alongside to help us when we're going through difficult times. He even prays for us when we don't know how to pray according to your will. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you, Lord, for close friends, real friends, true friends that will add value to our lives like you've added value to ours. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You're a friend that was willing to go all the way to the cross and die in our place. I thank you for a friend like that. Lord, even before I knew you, you were already my friend because you were willing to die, the godly for the ungodly. You proved your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.